0: Welcome back to yet another week of Behind the Lens. I'm Debbie Elias, film critic, creator, and host of Behind the Lens, where we go behind the lens and below the line with the movers, the shakers, the film and TV makers, the producers, the directors, the writers, the actors, the cinematographers, production designers, costume designers, sound mixers, sound editors, uh, film editors, video editors, uh, composers, you name it, we talk with them. And we're doing a lot more talking today. We got a full house again. I'm going to get to that in a minute because our very first guest is already. I love it when they're very prompt and on time. Uh, He's already on hold. So I'll be bringing him on shortly. But Lined up today, we're going to be kicking off the show talking about the stalking fields Uh, that just came out on January seventeenth on digital. Um, I'm very excited to talk with the writer, producer, actor Sean Crampton about this one. Um, It really is it it addresses our veterans' PTSD in a very unique kind of situation uh, where a group of civilians are caught in the middle of a black ops program that is allegedly designed to cure PTSD. But there's a lot more to the story. And Sean and his co-writer and fellow actor and fellow producer Jordan Wisely, Jordan was supposed to join us today due to other work commitments. He can't. But we've got Sean. But Sean and, and Jordan both grew up in military families. So... They're bringing some personal experience into this story. So I'm anxious. Can't wait to speak with uh, Sean. And then at the midpoint of the show, another slam dance film. And this is, this is a fun one. It's a horror thriller. And you all know how much I love horror. Uh, a slam, in the slam dance breakout category, uh, writer-director uh, Shujat Sadagar. I think that's how you say it. If I said it wrong, he can correct me when he comes on. And hopefully, Ali Fazel who I'm a huge admirer of. Any of you that saw Victorian Albert with Judy Dench, uh, he plays Abdul. Uh, Victorian Abdul, and he plays Abdul. Um, so I don't know if we're going to have Ali joining us today, but we should have Shujat uh, at the midpoint of the show. But... And at the end of the show, you're going to hear me talk about Dion Taylor's film that opens Friday, *Fear*. But let's get started and welcome, welcome, Sean Crampton. Hi, Debbie. How you doing? I am fine. How are you doing today? I'm doing really
1: well, and I got to say, I love your energy. So I appreciate <laughs> you.
0: <laughs> now, I'm just sleepwalking. You know, you're just imagining that. Uh,
1: Me too, man, me too
0: And look at that, your partner in crime, Jordan uh, I got a text while I was driving to the studio He's tied up elsewhere So he's leaving you to your own devices today
1: That's right, that's right
0: Well that way we can talk about him behind his back, so Oh, that's my favorite See, there is a silver lining But (laughs) I have to tell you, Sean The stalking fields This is a ride. This is a ride. And thank you. I didn't know what to expect. The, you know, the log line doesn't say a whole heck of a lot um, because you could have gone, when something says, you know, civilians, you know, they're running for their freedom, obviously in a field, thus stalking fields. Uh, And they're caught in the middle of a black ops program to cure PTSD. Well, you know, that could go so many ways. You and Jordan could have taken that story so many different ways. But the way you took it is so compelling. And then you are essentially, you're the lead actor in this one uh, as the character of Woodman. I
2: mean,
0: number one, your performance your intensity in your performance and your laser focus is amazing. It, oh, thank you so much. That excited me because you you created great ambiguity for thank Woodman. You. you know, is he a mechanical, you know, is he is he hypnotized? Is he under the influence? Does he have a computer chip in him that's telling him what to do? Because your stoicism is incredible, so you don't let us know if Woodman really has a handle on what's going on uh, in truth and and uh, reality, and we don't find any that out until late in the third act. So you really keep us guessing. <laughs> but we tried. <laughs> well, you succeeded. But I've got to ask you, you, Rick Maddox directs it. This is Rick's first feature. Um, Yeah. You're no stranger. I mean, you've been acting for a while. Um, Of course, uh, I'm trying to figure out how you go from a mockumentary and a character like Richard Peter Johnson, a retired porn star, uh, (laughs) to to play a character like Woodman. Uh, but, But walk me through the the process of coming up with this story, the genesis of it, and how you and Jordan developed the script, because this does address veterans, it does address PTSD, and both of you did grow up in military families. So that gives you a unique perspective that a lot of people don't have.
1: Thank you, yes. Um, Wow, it's such a pleasure to hear somebody who gets, the film um so thank you for your time and your talent and uh watching our film uh we started writing this in 2017 and it wasn't uh, initially the the military wasn't a piece of it yet Mm -hmm. so that was a later edition and my dad was a navy seal for 30 years wow yeah and um he ended up taking his own life from PTSD last year. Mm. And although the film was already done, it was as if I was writing towards something that was already, was going to happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, it was such a peculiar, I mean, so much to say about what I just said. But as far as the script, it was in these conversations over the last, Five years of my dad where I just saw that Hollywood was sort of missing the mark right. for these veterans in the sense that they aren't necessarily looking for a heart-wrenching drama by Shia LaBeouf you know who's like one of the best actors of my generation but these military personnel in my experience want a little more gallows humor. Mm-hmm. They want to be entertained and so we attempted to do a Trojan horse to the conversation, right? Which is to do this little indie film. I mean, we we shot principal photography for ninety five thousand dollars. I don't know.
0: If oh my you god! Believe that. Try, it does not look it because Thank you know you. You. you are also a producer on the film, and you're a boots on the ground producer in large part yeah. because you're also acting and you are the writer. So you're not just sitting in the back seat. Um, that is astounding because the film does not look that. It's very rich, from a, uh, with uh, uh, the visuals, the cinematography. Nicholas Acosta yeah. does a great job. Um, yes, he does. Your location is outstanding, and yeah. you know then you've got Artie uh, Womack in doing the editing that is crisp. He it,
1: was beautiful. Yeah, I loved uh, his. Edit. It moves. Yeah, we, so we smartly. told the
0: story a few times and we found
1: a lot of our fun intrigue in the edit as you know you Mm -hmm. know you write a story three times the one you write the one you shoot the one you edit and that was certainly true for us and um what honestly helped was developing the perspective that life is happening for us not to us because Mm -hmm. we shot a majority of this right before covid but we were missing 10 percent so We are initially freaked, you know, we're like, gosh, the important 10% of the film's missing. Mm -hmm. But what we realized is when we edited forward, we were able to really specify more so what the film needed. And so it actually helped us in the end do a sharper take on the movie we had shot.
2: Mm -hmm. So
1: that's kind of a long answer. But Jordan and I... It was really important for us to talk about veterans without it being the whole thing. Like, you know, we are both firm believers that everybody carries PTSD on some level. Mm -hmm. And that's why the characters who are running also have PTSD in a sense. Like they're either enacting their trauma or they're recovering from it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And, um, yeah, so that's my answer on that.
0: Well, and I think that's a brilliant answer. I'm going to interrupt you one second here, Sean. Pam, turn around and look at the phone. <laughs> Another line is ringing. <laughs> and unless it's Jordan, it shouldn't be anybody else right now. Um, <laughs> but you know, and this is not—it's it, not. This is not a one-hander. This is not a small cast. You have a relatively large cast with a great number of characters here. Uh, and you have some real standouts. One of uh, amazing is Rachel Markarian, uh, who plays... I know, she's so good. She's evil. She is evil personified. Um, she really gets into this supervisorial uh, character she... of Abawi. And Yes. A, a standout is Taylor Kalupa as Sarah.
1: Oh,
0: she's so good and so wonderful to work with, too. I, You've got the one scene, and we're not going to give away spoilers, but no. we have <laughs> the one scene that involves Taylor and William Gabriel Greer. Yes. Uh, and, yes. you know, you don't know which way we're going. And we, get, <laughs> and we get some twists and turns and surprises that are reveals in the third act. Uh, just on every level. And, you know, Jordan plays Claver. You've got Anton uh, Nierenski playing Tinsley. Adam Harrington as Rawlings. Uh, Rawlings' dad. Dad Rawlings. Yeah, that's right. He He is outstanding.
1: Yeah, I know. he, He was such a dream and he's just come off some huge projects. He just did the video game God of War. He just did two seasons of Bosch, so it's great to have him, his energy on set, his professionalism, his experience, and his commitment. He put on 25 pounds for the role.
0: Wow. Wow. That's dedication. That's dedication. While you and Jordan were crafting the script, were you cognizant of the number of characters that you were going to have to bring to life? And not shortchange anybody.
1: God, you know. I think we learned some lessons on this one in that regard. You know, we didn't understand the production around what we were writing yet. Um, And we left a lot on the cutting room floor. Um, And that was a function of our budget. You know, we weren't able to get all the coverage because we didn't have all the days. So some of the storylines just didn't literally fit in the picture anymore
2: mm-hmm.
1: not that they wouldn't have made sense but yeah it was this dance and basically when Jordan and I sat with Rudy or Artie Womack um the whole because something to note is that Rick Maddox had to move to Texas during COVID so Jordan and I stepped in to do the edit oh my gosh uh, I know, it was a wild, 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 there was a lot of opportunities to quit on this, and um, you just don't, you just don't quit, and so it was really important for everybody to have an arc, even if it was slight, or even if it showed up in different ways,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: if a character didn't have a complete arc, then we weren't necessarily interested in keeping that part of the story, or right. that character on camera.
0: Well, I've got to ask you, because you wrote the script, you're acting, but then you've got to make, in the editing process, you essentially have to kill your darlings. since totally. the, You and Jordan stepped in since Rick was in Texas. Um, you had to, Yeah, how difficult was that? Even during shooting, did you have to kill your darlings? Well, did you, you know, juggling these hats, you've got your producer's hat, your writer's hat, your actor's yeah. hat. So, That's
2: right. That's how
0: right. did you, you know, juggle that, and then you get into the editing room with Rudy, and you have to kill your darlings again?
1: <laughs> Great questions. You, you you, definitely know your filmmaking, and I appreciate that. So, you know, I'd, I'd done enough practice swings at this, Debbie. Like, I made over 100 short films. Mm-hmm. And I had been multi-hyphenate there as well because, of, you know, early days in Hollywood, I just realized no one's going to give me a job, so I better start making them.
2: Yeah. And so
1: I've done everything from operate the boom to edit to produce, and this is just years of it. And I mean, I was fortunate enough to work with um, James Franco when he was, around the time he was nominated for 127 Hours, about 10 years ago. I love Franco.
0: I love Franco.
1: Uh, You know, a lot of people
0: have their issues with Franco. I love him. Yeah, me
1: too. He's a true artist. Yeah. Yeah, Does he have whatever, like as a human? Like, shit, we all do, right? But one of the many lessons I learned, and he was an excellent teacher Mm -hmm. and mentor in a lot of ways, is that the most dangerous pitfall of a multi-hyphenate, is to not prepare the acting part as hard as you prepare the writing or directing part. Cause the assumption is cause I'm directing or writing that I should know the part. And if a guy that good and talented can fall into that trap, I knew I could. So I over prepared my acting cause for me, it's all about relaxation. So whatever gets me to relaxation and presence on set and that's preparation typically. And mm-hmm. so, the combination of experience plus time to prep because I was in pre-pro for a year essentially by myself ish Mm
2: -hmm. like
1: Jordan and Brooke were there a lot, but I was on it every day and, um, certainly not completely by myself. Right. But like I was the one every day making emails and decisions and the script. And so luckily I had the time as well. So on set, if it would be interesting, you know, Taylor and I would be in a scene together and then that cut and she'd be like, okay, this line, you know? And it was just like, because we we're peer to peer and I have a great relationship with Taylor and I don't have an ego. And I'll say the same for Jordan. Jordan and I are both like, whatever works right now for the moment. And um, that really helps relieve some pressure all around. Like, we're not Aaron Sorkin in the sense that we're like, <laughs> you have to say they, not them, you know, which is his style, and that's cool. But for me, it's like, uh, as long as we maintain the core of the scene, I, I don't mind what you say because I know we've already done the prep work to get here.
0: Oh, my God. But, you know, and it see, this impresses me even more about you, Sean, because watching you you know, in character is Woodman, one would never think you've got to worry about all these other things as the writer and as the producer. Uh, uh, yeah. be, uh, because you truly are so focused. And I have to say, uh, your handling of weaponry is beautiful. Thank you. That's always you. That's always a big, big, big thing with me. Uh, is the handling of weaponry? I I expect second units, gen- bringing the stunt guys, then they generally mm-hmm. have it nailed. But you know your principal actors, um, sometimes it, it gets sloppy. Um, you, yeah. You, no, your weaponry handling was not sloppy at all, Sean.
1: Thank you, thank you, Rick. I got to give credit to Rick Maddox there for sure. Cause we had a day up in Tahoe where he took some of the cast into the forest. He was an army sniper, a veteran, our director. And so that helped. My dad helped. Jordan and I helped. We'd been raised really well around firearms our whole life. So we had great respect for it. And um, we also know people look for that stuff. So we were, also cognizant of making sure we adhere to the reality and it was also fun to be like well what characters don't have experience like Sarah Taylor's character you know the way she handles a gun is a little less experienced." yeah um And that's okay, because that's real, right? Mm -hmm. And so we were just playing around with that. So I appreciate you noticing that.
0: You know, how difficult was it, because since you are a producer on the film, you're obviously involved with the casting. Um, How difficult was it to put this entire cast together? Because you have such a diversity of players. Yeah. But they really fit the roles so well. Like William Gabriel Greer as Moeller. He, yeah. he brings in an unexpected element um, mm-hmm. at multiple turns within this film uh, yeah. And as I said Taylor is just wonderful as it, and Rachel thank you um, Thank
1: you yeah Rachel's a beautiful actress yes
0: uh, you know, but how difficult was it to put this cast together because you've got to have you know the civilian people who were brought into this black ops program they have no clue they don't know each other they have no clue obviously everybody in military you're used to coming in working as a group working as a unit um so you set up these really interesting scenarios with the different mindsets and different skill sets and basically you've got your civilians going where in hell am i what am i doing Mm -hmm. here on mm-hmm. top of the PTSD they're already suffering from, so That's right. to put a cast like this together could not have been easy.
1: Yeah, you know, I I'm fortunate in that when I was training for an to be an actor, I became obsessive, and I went to uh, Playhouse West in North Hollywood, and by Good fortune, I was able to develop a really, really rich acting community. So, like, Gabe and I have worked together for 10 years. Wow. Uh, Rachel and I have worked together before. Taylor and I went to class together. <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 we held maybe 70 in-the-room auditions for those 13 people, and I knew almost everybody.
2: Well, that so helps. That helps.
1: And then the booking of it, Mm -hmm. I got to give credit to our first AD, Josh Jason, for the scheduling, because he absolutely crushed that. And I won't even pretend that I had a heavy hand in that, because he was the one organizing flights and schedules with Rudy. Um, So it was a team effort, but it wasn't as bad. The sticky thing I've noticed as an indie producer is like, you have your personal relationships and then their, their reps get involved.
0: And then and, it all goes uh, out the window.
1: That's right. Then you got to deal with their
0: rep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm curious because this film does revolve around PTSD and this whole black ops situation and a government program. And anytime you mention government program, you know there's something shady going on. Um, yep. <laughs> but you keep the idea of the PTSD at the forefront here. Was that a challenge for you when you were writing the script and then through the edit, because you don't let us, we don't forget that everybody Mm -hmm. here, even Woodman, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. your character, everybody is dealing with some form of PTSD. Yeah, you know, it was the last
1: big layer we laid in, so... In a way, it was, like, the best my writing was at the time. So it was easier in that sense to technically lay it in. And it was the most interesting to us. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then in the edit, we were able to see that it was an important through line for Woodman and kind of a foundation for others to be laid upon. And, you know, I don't know how intentionally we were keeping it at the forefront in the edit. I just know we all knew what we were there to do. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Well. Because Rudy,
1: Rudy, our editor, is as dialed in as it gets. He knows weapons. He knows PTSD. He's just like one of those artists you're totally lucky to work with. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Well you it looks like you really lucked out all around with you know in front of and behind the camera on the stalking fields. So I gotta tell you because as thank I, you so much. As I said at the top, it looks rich. the location is great. Um, Nick Acosta's lensing is outstanding. Yeah. the color, the lighting. Um, I love the quote unquote bunker.
1: yeah that was
0: nick's idea trust me and with the red light you know with red lighting so you get that urgency idea and then you know using plastic you know people walking through plastic to give an idea may you know Mm -hmm. maybe germ-free but it also the plastic benefits because it distorts whatever is behind it so that adds more visual ambiguity and tension as to who's coming through there. Who is that That's black right. who is that black shadowy figure uh that is <laughs> immobile and not moving. Um, <laughs> so there's so much to look at when we're inside. Outside, it's a playground for all of you. But it's very mm-hmm. keenly the fight sequence. There's a great fight fight sequence between you, uh between Woodman and Rawlings. Mm-hmm. That is so well choreographed because you've got weaponry. You've got knives. You're making great use of, you know, logs and and things in the forest setting. Um, Very well choreographed from a fight uh, uh, choreographic standpoint. Thank
1: you. Yeah, I have to give credit to the camera team. You know, Sophia, Matt, Bill, Nick, and also Richard O'Ryan, our stunt coordinator. Um, it was kind of a wild, you know, like we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of ways you can quit a film and he blew his back out. Our scent coordinator on day one. (laughs) So this is almost 16 days later. He showed up. I'm not even kidding. Five minutes before we're like ready to start filming the fight. It's hailing video village is sinking. It's 40 degrees. I'm in a t-shirt. Like it's wild. And, We're in the middle of nowhere, Tahoe, by the way, like no signal. And Richard shows (laughs) up, and he shows Adam and I that sequence, and then we stepped out and filmed it.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Well, now what really impresses me is the fact that when people watch the stalking fields – they have to appreciate the fact that, yes, it is 40 degrees. It really was raining and hailing. That really is mud that you're in. And, yes, you were yep. really soaked. None of this was put in through special effects in post. This is all. No. This is Mother Nature giving it all she's got, making it even harder for you guys.
1: Yeah, and also a blessing, right? Because yeah. now there's rain in the last scene.
0: I mean, It works. On every level. It works so well, Sean. So I'm gonna to have to let you go here in a minute, um, which I hate to do because you're just fabulous. No but I've uh, got thank
1: to, you, I feel the same about you.
0: I've gotta ask you, you know, what did you learn about yourself as a filmmaker? Be it you know, as a writer, a producer, you know, in those capacities, what did you learn about yourself making the stocking fields? that you can now take forward into future projects?
1: I love this question because I've, um, I've made three movies since. And so what I've learned is the old Hollywood standard of work weeks and work days <laughs> no longer is okay for me and my artists. I'm done pushing five to six day weeks. I'm done with doing over 12 hour days on my sets. And how does, you know, you asked what I learned, which I can apply. Mm -hmm. And it's basically understanding that you spend way more time making the picture than you do watching and celebrating it. Yeah. So I should really focus on treating my artisans better. And that doesn't mean we're not going to work hard. It just means like, hey, the same day you're filming, you can also go to the gym or have a date. Like, it's kind of crazy how people are used to working 14 to 16-hour days to make a movie. And I even find it counterproductive to the artistic process because when I produced a movie in August of last year, we had two to four-day work weeks and 12-hour days max. And what I noticed was that the downtime where I'm usually trying not to think about the work, now I had more and the material resonated deeper
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I became better and could bring that in the next week. And it's funny, every producer I ever talked to about this is like, but what about your rentals? And I'm like, uh, how about my human artists? What yeah. about them? See, And we- financially, we still made the movie, so it all worked. And the movie's great. I'm not saying don't care about the result, but if you do your work beautifully in pre production to hire the right artists, then you know everybody's doing their best.
0: Yep. So you don't have to worry about it.
1: That's, so that's my biggest lesson.
0: Well, I think that's a great lesson. And every Thank you. everybody can see the fruits of your labor on digital. Stocking Fields is available everywhere digitally right now. Uh, yes, it
1: is. We're so excited.
0: I'm so excited because I'm going to watch it again. Uh, oh,
1: thank you. You know,
0: and oh, Sean, this has been so wonderful having you on the show and, and chatting. I hope you will come back again. Absolutely. I
1: would love to. Anytime for you.
0: You know what? You can do? get all my information from Karen and you can reach out I to will. me directly.
1: Ah, thank you so much, Debbie. I really appreciate it. I, I really mean it. You're amazing energy
0: oh thank you well you have a great rest of your week and let's see everything pam's giving me notes here uh, i don't know what she's doing <laughs> no clue <laughs> but uh but this has been a joy sean and i hope we cha- here. i hope we chat sooner rather than later
1: same here debbie
0: Oh, thank you so much, Sean. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you. Bye, Pam. Bye, Debbie. <laughs>
0: Bye. And that was Sean Crampton, writer, producer, actor, The Stalking Field. See it, folks. And now I am beyond excited to find out who I have on the phone right now. Ali, is that you? Yeah. Hi. Hi, Ali. Is that you? Yes, that's me. Hi. Hello. I am so happy to be speaking with you about The Underbug. I loved, loved, loved you in Victoria and Abdul.
3: Oh, (laughs) so sweet. Thank you.
0: That film is, you and Judy Dench were magic together.
3: Oh, that's so sweet. I'm so glad you watched it. That's nice to know.
0: I I loved that film. I, I screened it before it came out, and wow. I even went to the theater and saw it because it deserved to. I wanted to see it on the big screen again. And
3: oh. It, it, so <laughs> that's very refreshing to hear.
0: Knowing your work in there, and now seeing uh-huh. you in the Underbug. Oh my god!
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. Walls <Worlds> apart. Yes. <laughs>
0: Boy, oh, boy, there is just seeing those two films will t- will wow. give everybody the range of your abilities as an actor.
3: Oh, thank you so much. Uh, you. Well, let's hope let's hope that, you know, we so, fruition. In oh, good time.
0: <laughs> boy, oh, boy. Now, t- let's talk about the underbug here. I don't uh-huh. know if if Shujat was going to be joining us today or not, but that's OK. I have you, um, so I'm happy.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, no, I think he's he, he's here with me for another five five minutes. Um, Should I put him on loudspeaker with me?
0: Yes, do yes. Throw him on the speaker.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, here,
4: Shujat is
0: here. Hi, hi. Hi, Shujat. How are you?
4: I'm good. I'm good. Abby, how are you?
0: I'm thrilled to have both of you. Congratulations on the Underbug. It totally creeped me out. This is a thriller. Thank you, thank you. It's a horror film. And number one, it's it's beautiful.
4: But the, Thank you. Thank you so much. So me- glad you liked it. Oh
0: my, the metaphor. Your visual metaphor and your story metaphor in this film is outstanding and speaks to Actually, speaks to many situations in the world today.
4: Um, right, that was the intent when we started out. You know, we you, wanted to create a piece which would speak a universal language.
0: You hit a home run. Let me tell you, it comes through loud and clear. Um, in your, wow. you know, with your cinematography, your cinematography yes. is stunning um it's rich it's textured it's dense you use color and lighting to their best advantage to tell this tale then you've got Ali's incredible performance as well as Hussein's uh yes and then your editor Tushar comes in and cuts this with so much fervency um that you know, you're on the edge of your seat the whole film, and boy, oh boy, when you give us that third act and the reveal, yeah. I must fell on the floor. Ali, don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> that was wow. Now yeah. I know you had uh, premiered at Slam Dance on Saturday night at ten o'clock. How did the how did the audience react?
4: It was overwhelming. Uh, It was really overwhelming for us, Debbie, because this is the first time we've showcased and we've shown the film, uh, you know, and uh, we were pretty nervous um, and anxious about, you know, how uh, the audience would uh, react. But, uh, you know, all our fears were put to rest. It was was great. It was really emotionally overwhelming, uh, you know, for all of us.
0: You know, I'm curious, for the both of you... Uh, about your collaboration in bringing this story to life, because of the layers and because of all of this subtext, um, and this is a very demand physically demanding film for you, Ali. This is not a yeah, walk in the yeah. park, man. You're just you're crawling on floors. You're you're getting stabbed. You're getting this. You're getting that. And you, it's like you're going insane at the same time and being fueled by television and radio messages about political unrest yeah.
2: uh, you know yeah.
0: how did the two of you craft this performance so that it gelled with the visual yeah. the visual uh, vision
3: um, well, you know, you're right. We did. It was it was collaboration uh, of all sorts because we. Uh, it was a very unusual way of working on a film like this. Uh, for the first time for me, it was a very experimental way because we um, we brought in our own texts to begin with. It was not one single bound script, mm-hmm. and all the scenes and sequences were staged like a play. So sometimes we've had long takes, like Sri has mentioned earlier in interviews, that you know takes that were ranging from nine minutes to fifteen minutes. Wow! Um, but uh, but yeah, you're right. It was it was a bit taxing for me because I had to gain weight for this. So I I, I could feel myself being really heavy uh, through the entire um, entire film, and then um, the... and then I fed them some more.
4: You know. <laughs> fed them more biryani in the scene, and uh, yeah
3: yeah <laughs> it was but but yeah we did we did arrive at um i think the the lighting and all those things were conscious choices you know that uh, sajad made uh, along with the Sadduk, our, our camera uh, you know our dop um but and we we fit in you know we tried to sort of maneuver through that through patches of light through the you know through all the inanimate noise objects mm-hmm. that metaphorically were very, very loud in this particular narrative. Yes.
2: For us,
3: especially the radio being another character altogether. On yes. Its own. So, you know, I, I tried to play off that. And then, of course, a lot of punctuations that I had to take off from my co-actor, Hussein because of the final reveal in the end. I had to sort of, you know, um, uh, be juxtaposed according to his... Uh, Particular rhythm, right? Had to, uh, yeah. So a little bit of mapping happened there as a performer, but I guess the rest of it was, you know.
0: Well, and um, and so so much of that mapping is what Shujat and uh, Tasadwa, your cinematographer, did. uh, Because that choreography of going through this house um, was this shot in one house, one location.
4: Uh, yes, it, uh, yeah uh, it was David was shot in one house. It was a massive house. I wanted a big house. Uh, it belonged to a friend of uh, ours and uh, it's a hundred fifty year old ancestral property. Oh. And uh, I wanted the house to be a primary character in the story itself because the house had to come alive. Uh, it had to tell a story of the inhabitants of the house and what has gone down and what has happened with them. Uh, So, yes, and uh, Tasaduk and I uh, spent uh, quite a few days in mapping the geography of the house. And I wanted it to be, uh, you know, free-flowing. I wanted to follow the actors. I didn't want it to be restrictive. uh, So we lit it also in a way that if they go into dark spaces, they go into dark spaces. We're not going to ask them to hit, you know, particular marks. Uh, and we would just be like a, a you know, a voyeuristic camera just following the journey of these two.
0: I love the fluidity of the camera movement. Uh yeah. There's a lot of handheld here. A lot of handheld yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. And, some
3: severe handheld. You know, Except yeah. the, yeah. the dinner scene was all handheld. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, the uh-huh. dinner scene, you had to be able to sit down at some point.
3: Yes, uh- <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah. Yeah, thank God for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because we wanted to create a vacuum there, the dinner scene as well. Uh, even sound wise, I mean, it just took out all the digestics from uh, Ali uh, in that scene. Just wanted to create a womb like a uh, uh, space there.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, and with the candlelight at the dinner table, it really was beautiful. And then you have the great yeah. overhead shot of the food on the table that looked beautiful. Yeah. And it was almost metaphorically kind of like if we're looking down from the International Space Station, down on the Earth.
2: That's, that's
0: a nice way of putting it, actually. That's yeah. kind of, that's what I was feeling, given what was unfolding within the film. And this is a film yeah. where, and your sound design is impeccable here. The sound design is impeccable.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, because it really, the sound design is a character as well. The house is a character, but so is the sound design because Mm -hmm. of the nuance that we get from the minutia of Mother Nature and creepy crawly things and little drops of rain or a spider spinning its web up to unknown sounds within a house. Um, Just the sound becomes so important in telling this story. Um, Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like a cacophony at times that, Ali, I mean, your character just, you know, is just the sound. It's maddening at times. You can see it. Yeah.
4: Yeah, Yeah, I wanted to, I mean, sound-wise, we, you know, wanted to create that, uh, uh, you know, kind of replicate their mind space as well uh, with it. The idea for nature was hugely inspired by Milton's uh, Paradise Lost.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean,
4: that's why I wanted to place it right up uh, in the beginning of the film, uh, like, um, you know, a beautiful forest, uh, like the Garden of Eden and the serpent arrives. Of course, here, serpent being uh, the human race where Hussein mm-hmm. arrives and how everything uh, becomes, uh, you know, destructible uh, once we get there. So we are trying to play with those layers and those metaphors and the sound really kind of you know, accentuated uh, uh, something that was happening within their head.
0: Well, I have to say, the forest and the whole idea of bugs and small creepy crawly things, that in and of itself is always going to give you a creepy vibe to your film. And thanks to Ali's performance and Hussein's performance, that is perpetuated and then elevated a hundredfold. So it's almost like you see horror films where bugs have gotten under somebody's skin and you can see the skin rippling like the bug is crawling through them. But here it's like, it's in the mind and the mind is, it's just the terror is rippling through the bodies. Um, And you can see it on Ali's face and Hussein's face. And it is (laughs) truly, it is fascinating this is fa- it's Thank actually you. this is actually a fascinating character study not only of individuals but of the world of people in general told through two individuals and uh, you, right it, yeah, yeah
4: yeah you guys just Yeah because I wanted to explore the psyche of uh, you know men uh, uh, who live on the subterranean level like bugs
2: mm-hmm. you know
4: who are used abused weaponized uh, you know, by governments, uh, political masters, religious leaders, uh, essentially to, you know, uh, spread, uh, spread hate, use as use tools of hate.
0: And it, you succeed so beautifully. And, but it, it, as you said earlier, it's so applicable to the world at large. This is a, yes. a universal story that applies uh, to every country. Every country around right, the globe. Yeah. Something like this yeah, that, is happening. I mean, that
4: was the genesis as well. I mean, what was happening politically, socially, you know, uh, uh, during the pandemic, because we shot this during peak pandemic, and, uh, you know, there was sectarian violence happening all over the world.
0: Wow. Well, luckily for you, Ali, you didn't have too many people to get exposed to during the pandemic, shooting this film. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you a small bunch of thirty odd people who went and shot of the film and team. Oh my God! Yeah. You know what was the most? Because this isn't the kind of film that typically people would be flocking to throw money at to make. Um, you know how how difficult was it to get this film off the ground?
4: Uh very honestly to tell you, wasn't wasn't very difficult because I mean it's all sweaty beauty. We you know believed in it so much. We all came together, uh, you know, uh, uh, time wise, uh, uh, financially. We invested our own stuff, and we didn't want it oh, to wow. you know uh, be at the behest of you know some funder. So we really kind of uh, pulled in uh, all of us, each and every one of us.
0: Wow, wow. Yeah. You know, Ali, I'm curious. When Shazak came to you with this project and said, "Hey, I got an idea," what what was your first impression? What did you think of the idea for this film?
3: Um, I well, I I, th- I thought it was a very interesting idea, and we had an idea. We, we didn't have a fully bound, you know, A to Z script, so we we worked on it, you know. And I I kind of arrived on set with something that i'd written and then who's you know Hussein had written something and Shujabha had written something and so we it was a marriage of all these different you know um spaces and i think that that really put things in perspective i mean i i thought it was a very existential idea to begin with but then as we sort of started peeling the layers of the onion you know you you realize that at the core of it uh it's it's talking about humanity in so many ways and and things that have touched us things that have hurt us things that have affected us you know at some point in our lives and and to be able to sort of dive into that and hopefully unravel some of that you know through our story through this device um felt quite you know um fascinating and attractive at the same time and as a performer i thought that'd be it'd be interesting to see where i can push myself and how far i can push myself so
0: well, you you, sh- you sure pushed yourself with this one, let me tell you. <laughs> I have, <laughs> as I said, this is so far from what I know you for uh, in Victoria and Abdul. Um, yes. You can do yes. anything. I'm convinced you can do anything, Ali. Uh, You're
3: very sweet. You're very sweet. You know, what, no, but um, thank you. Thank you for such amazing feedback.
0: You know, what do each of you look for? In a project at this stage is of your careers, uh, because Shuja, well, you you're acclaimed. You know,
3: yeah, you're right. I mean, I think for me as an actor, it is it is definitely um, um, satisfaction with with the entire process, not just. I know, I know, I know this. I say this because earlier I used to look for that that validation every time a movie would release, but now it's it's becoming slowly more about more from the word go, Mm
2: -hmm. you know,
3: how it's all unraveling. And I think that's part of the real filmmaking experience.
0: And what about for you, Shuja, as a writer and a director and a producer? um, You've done so many things, so I'm curious. Uh Uh-oh, did we lose them? Oh, I think we may have lost them. Oops. I think we lost them. <laughs> okay. Uh all right. I'm going to cut this line. Um Pam, you want to pop on some uh you know, a break thing real quick. I'll see if I can reach Annie and find out what happened. Okay, we're going to take a short break while I find out what happened. Because I know they were calling from up at Slamdance up in Park City. So, just...
3: When you purchase the latest TV, tablet, or smartphone, don't forget to do the right thing with your old ones. Recycle them. The Consumer Electronics Association and its members are making recycling your old devices as easy as buying new ones. Just go to GreenerGadgets.org, type in your zip code, and you'll instantly find the recycling location closest to your home. You'll also find recycling tips, like asking the store where you buy your new TV if they'll haul away your old one. Don't let your old tech tools clog your local landfill. Just visit GreenerGadgets.org.
1: Energy efficiency interviews are brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Matthew, you know energy-saving light bulbs last six
0: times longer than that old bulb in your lamp? Uh, yeah, well... I don't even live here. Matthew, dinner's ready. I never met that woman.
2: It's your favorite,
1: Matt. Lasagna. Oh, don't you people knock? Just give me the energy saver.
4: Millions of kids are using their energy wisely. What's your excuse?
2: Learn more at loseyourexcuse.gov.
0: Okay, we are back. Yay, the phone company just doesn't like us. That's that's the answer here. So oh, sorry.
3: yeah it was it was just uh, not misbehaving you were Um, you
0: were playing with the phone just admit it you were playing with the buttons on the phone what was I (laughs) I'm joking with you no 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 is is Shujat still there with you yes yeah well because you answered the question what you look for with projects now so I'm curious as a writer director and producer what does he look for uh when it comes to new projects to undertake
4: uh debbie i mean for me it
2: is it's, it's
4: on a level of an idea something needs to uh, you know uh, definitely stir inside me uh, you know ignite the fire a story that i feel uh, very strongly about which i you know would want to live because There's a serious amount of emotional uh, investment that goes in from my end. And uh, yeah, so, uh, uh, but of course, horror as a genre really, really uh, excites me. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the unknown and uh, the unseen uh, really kind of uh, uh, inspires me to tell cinematic uh, narratives. And uh, I personally do enjoy the uh, space uh, that it is in. But yeah, uh, I mean, I watch all sorts of uh, films and all sorts of, you know, within the horror genre, jump scares and all. But yeah, I I like stuff which is, uh, you know, more narrative based. I'm a huge fan of uh, Robert Eggers and the stuff he does, Mm -hmm. Ari Aster, uh, you know, Jordan Peele, the phenomenal filmmakers and they're telling some phenomenal stories.
0: Well, I mean, you are a phenomenal storyteller and you have a very eclectic uh, background, I mean, you jump in and yes. out of television commercials, um, ad campaigns, yes. film. You're always working, yes. so you know. Yeah, you need- I mean,
4: yeah. I started out as an ad filmmaker. I mean, uh, advertising has been something that I've been doing now for the last 23 odd years, and uh, that that built my uh, base. But I was always inclined towards telling, you know. Uh, Uh, longer format uh, stories. I mean, I always wanted that was, uh, you know, a goal that I set out uh, to achieve.
0: Well, you know, something interesting with uh, The Underbug is it's a feature film. It's 68 minutes long, so it goes by fast. But as, right. much, as much as you have people on edge watching this film, it's a good thing it's only 68 minutes because you'd probably have people having heart attacks in the audience if it went too much longer <laughs> uh, out of the fear yeah, that they're the, seeing.
4: It, yeah, the editing process, uh, yeah, did take some time to, you know, to build uh, the rhythm up because, uh, as Ali mentioned, you know, we I shot really long takes as well. You know, we we went up to 9, 10, 11 minutes uh, uh, shooting with both the actors and uh, their background in theater really helped uh, with that, uh, but the uh, rhythm was really caught on on the edit table, you know, with Tushar, my executive producer, Sean Oxfen, uh, and us spending, you know, a good amount of time and uh, you know to manipulate certain uh, things to get the rhythm of it out.
0: Well, and something that everybody should know because the film is at Slam Dance, and Slam Dance, in addition to being in person, so you had your premiere on Saturday night. But it opens up virtually on January 23rd. So people can sit in the comfort of their own home and still see the underbug. And I want everyone to know, it may be in, it's in Hindi. And there are subtitles. But the film is so well done. And this is always something I look for in foreign language films. Do I understand what's happening in the film without the subtitles? Absolutely. Absolutely absolutely the performances are so strong the story structure is so strong the visual tonal bandwidth is so strong you don't need the subtitles you will know and be able to follow this and that i think is always so important and yeah
4: in fact i have i have a process as well where, where i watch uh you know my films without any sound at all just to, you know, gauge the, the visual rhythm of it. And, uh, you know, uh, this film I've seen some 40, 48 odd times uh, already. Uh, you know, that really kind of helps me uh, personally as a director as well to uh, build uh, the rhythm up, you know, mm-hmm. of, of the visual narrative. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, even at that time, I, I too felt it that, you know, uh, I think it works. Uh, you get the story, you get what is happening between the two characters.
0: Oh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know, (laughs) you know. And then we get to the third act and you go, oh, my God, I thought I knew and I didn't. Uh,
4: You know, uh, one very uh, uh, fun fact when we shot this and we came back from the pandemic and, you know, uh, a few months uh, passed by and uh, Robert Eggers uh, filmed The Lighthouse. Uh Uh-huh. And I watched that, and I was like completely blown. And that time when we were making this film, I had no idea uh, about the lighthouse. I love that film, of course.
0: Well. And it's, I was like,
4: wow. I mean, uh, it's it's pretty much you know on 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 similar uh, ground. Yes. Uh, you know,
0: thematically, from the tone, the tone of the two yeah. films, truly is. So now, where is the underbug going after Slam Dance? Do either of you know?
4: Uh, uh, right now, we are wanting to do a festival uh, a route, a festival circuit and see, uh, you know, the life of the film. It has already found its uh, place with slam dance, and we're all very thrilled about it. But yeah, now we want to kind of, you know, push uh, the boundaries and see. We've applied for many other festivals coming up in America as well as, uh, you know, the European festivals uh, which are coming up. And uh, our endeavour is... The, to showcase the film to as many people as possible.
0: Oh well, I, I think as many people as possible should see this one. Um, you know, yeah. just an amazing job, guys. Now, Ali, what are you? What are you working on now? Anything, or are you just going out there helping yeah. promote the Underbug? <laughs>
3: um, no, with the Underbug, then I have uh, Kandahar, which is another movie. Uh, Jerry Butler and yeah, have and done. my friend, um, longtime
0: friend Rick Roman Wa directed this one.
3: Yes, that's the
0: one. <laughs> I <laughs> am chomping at the bit for Kandahar. Um, I know Rick and Jerry. Rick and Jerry are amazing as a collaborative team. Thank you.
3: And thank you. I think it's coming mid-year, so we're looking forward to that.
0: Ah, uh, well, you know, I yeah. will. I will be covering Kandahar because I cover everything of Rick's. Um,
3: oh, that's amazing. Yeah, Rick's a very good friend now and, you know, uh, had, had so much fun doing it. It was produced by Thunder Road. So we're excited. It's a very, very different yeah. role and uh, you know, a lot of
0: action. No, I've, <laughs> I've known Rick since he and his brother and I knew um, their dad, Fred, um, an incredible stuntman. But I've known Rick and Scotty since they were very young doing stunts before they even got into directing. Um, oh. Rick jokes with people and says I'm an adopted Wah because I've been around for <laughs> we've known each other so long. Um, but I'm I'm thrilled that you're in Kandahar. Oh my God, you just yeah, made, you just be... made my year, Ali. <laughs>
3: yeah, it's fun. It's I, I'm I'm chasing Jerry the whole film. Oh, so.
0: well, let, yeah. well, you know, come on, give me a hint. <laughs> give the listeners a hint now. Do you catch him? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, definitely. You know, that's on my radar now. So when that comes around, i got to talk to you again about that. But, gentlemen, yeah. both of you, an amazing job with the underbug. Uh, Shujat, I can't wait to see what you bring us next.
3: Yeah, sorry, Shujat. Just just got signed out. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Uh, but he's working on... Uh some interesting stuff well Um, yeah
0: I can't wait to see it and I hope the two of you partner up again in a collaboration because I think this is a winning this is a winning collaboration
3: yeah thank you so much thank you it means a lot
0: Uh, Ali thank you this has been such a joy and a privilege having you on the show I am a great admirer of your work Um, thank you so much even more after seeing the underbug after seeing the underbug Mm -hmm. And I hope everybody, you know, goes virtual with Slamdance later this week. Actually, today it starts, the 23rd. And they can all just sit in the comfort of their living room and they can watch the underbug. Ah, Ali, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And I hope we chat again in the future.
3: We will. We will.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Ali. Thank you. You have a great week. Bye-bye.
3: Bye. Right,
0: bye, bye. And that was Ali Fazzle, actor in The Underbug. We have unnamed characters in this film. Uh, and Shujat Sadagar, the writer-director. Slam dance. Um, and as Shujat said, they're out searching. They've applied to other festivals. Uh, as I get further information, this is one of the films that I will uh, that I will follow. As many of you know, when I get in at an early fest level on films that I really like, with talent I really like, I will follow the film, and I'll, I will follow up and let you guys know when it's hitting somewhere else and maybe even get the guys back on the show. But two great films, Stalking F- Fields, you can see right now, available on digital. The Underbug, Slamdance. Go online. You can get an an online ticket. Watch it from the comfort of your own home. Well worth it. Well, that is all the time we have today. Next week, back again, we've got another fascinating filmmaker with a film that I also like. And next week, we're going to be talking about Fear. But before I go, Fear, Dion Taylor's new movie, It opens this Friday, the 27th. See it, see it, see it. It is an incredible film. It's one of his best. Um, It is chilling. It will scare the bejeebus out of you uh, at certain moments of the film. But it also says a lot about fear and faith. And I'll get into this next week in the top half of the show uh, talking about the film. I was just at the world premiere on Saturday night with Dion uh, and the cast and his incredible producer, the goddess herself, Roxanne uh, Taylor. Without Roxanne, Dion can't make a film. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Um... And Dion, actually, he and I did a very, very lengthy sit-down before Christmas, and he has been showing that interview, it's like an hour long, showing clips of it uh, and other aspects of it, talking about fear and Hidden Empire Film Group. Dion and Roxanne have have self-distributed this film. Um, And they're doing an incredible job. The premiere Saturday night, A gospel choir, people, on the the red carpet. Um, Just amazing job. They're currently on a U.S., you know, this is Fear Week, going from city to city to city, doing individual city premieres. But we're going to get into Fear, the incredible cast, and uh, what it's all about next Monday. And you'll hear some of my interview With Dion. So until then, Friday, go see Fear this weekend. See it on Friday before the football games on the weekend. And uh, The Stalking Fields, available digitally. Slamdance, The Underbug, plus the films that we, our filmmakers who were here last week, starring Jerry and with Peter Bradley. You can also see those films. And another film at Slamdance I recommend, uh, Silent Love. So until next week, I'm Debbie Elias. This is Behind the Lens.